Speaking. My name is Gabriel. My name is Cliff. Before we start, uh, I just want to caveat that uh, Cliff is <laughs> in a difficult situation right now where he has to juggle the baby. <laughs> so, <laughs> the occasional baby screaming in the background. Uh, just, just, yes. just for extra con- for extra context, um, and also for those of you who are from used to watching the video version, there's no video version this episode because of. Uh, uh, circumstances and I think you can hear the baby in the background um, so that's why we're only doing an audio only podcast and yeah. thank you Gabriel so much for being accommodative to uh, the logistics and the arrangements uh, we'll try to edit out and keep the audio clean as much as possible but thank you everyone for understanding yes thank you for your understanding yeah and it sounds like your baby is like crying very hard so poor thing, are you? Yeah, I'm. I'm. I'm thankful that my partner and uh, my in-laws are around to help with the baby while we do this recording. So, how was uh, everyone's Mercury retrograde? Uh, mine was difficult. I don't know about you, Cliff. Uh, but yours should be quite hard, right? I mean, you have Mercury going across your mid heaven. So, by the way, uh, for the listeners out there, mid heaven is sort of like the like the career. Yeah, you know the career, uh, what do you call it, significator in some way. Uh, so having Mercury going past it, uh, perhaps there's some decision making, and I think yes, uh, Cliff yes. about it previously. Hey, so how are any any news that came up? Oh right, it? yeah. So I, I need to keep uh, the identities of the conversation, the people in the conversation confidential. So what was really interesting was during the shadow period, which is the the period before the actual retrograde, I was. Uh, contacted about another opportunity with a organization that I really respect and would love to go into. So throughout the entire interview process, uh, it was going smoothly, but then we hit right into Mercury retrograde and things slowed down. There was a breakdown in communication and ultimately uh, it wasn't the outcome that I was hoping for. Yeah, and I think that's just a very classic example of Mercury Retrograde going across your career part of your chart. Um, oh, so, but yeah, so, if it's, uh, so if it's out? Yeah, the results are out and I'm not going anywhere. <laughs> Damn! Oh man, oh man. Yeah. yeah, I mean, because I also know what is the who or what is that company. Uh, yes. I feel a bit like, yeah, wasted for you. But <laughs> yeah, it is what it is. Oh, mm. my, my Mercury Retrograde was horrible. <laughs> Um, oh no! I was going across my my uh, my notes, uh, my north node and south node. So, uh, for those who are unfamiliar, there's this thing called the karmic notes, which talks about your past and your future. Um, so my my Mercury retrograde was sort of like it going in the middle. Oh, such a difficult period. I had this like a lot of wistful pangs. I have this like a lot of regrets, like a uh, sense of like feeling regretful about where my life is, and really this whole oh, considering. No. Okay, you know where I am in my life and where I'm going towards got me a little bit emo for a few days lah. so it was uh, not, not not the greatest feeling unfortunately yeah kind of rough uh, for both of us then yeah 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 um, yeah actually it's, yeah, it's, it's tough but but it's over so um, yes question over, for the listeners over. then question for the listeners then like how was your Mercury retrograde let us know drop us a DM or drop a mm. comment 
Yes. Yeah, just gonna jump right right into uh, uh, what we're doing for this episode. So, this episode we're gonna talk about Pride. Pride. Da, da, da. Yes. Um, yeah, so it's Pride Month. Um, as a as a as a gay person, I, I it's not super special for me. But but maybe what is Pride? Yeah, what is Pride? Hmm. Well, Pride is a celebration of LGBTQIA individuals. Um, it's a month of celebration. Um, usually, you know, in a in a in in countries which are very which which is very established LGBTQIA culture, like uh, US and the UK, they will have this like mega big parade, you know, which is not unlike our Chingay parade. Um, but uh, for Singapore, we only have Pink Dot, right? A month of festivities and activities to celebrate uh, LGBTQIA um, narratives, um, stories, um, as a way to affirm and to sort of say that you know, yes, you guys exist. We got so, or rather, we exist, and thank you for affirming us. And we're just gonna show ourselves proudly, you know, whether you like us or not. So essentially, uh, that's that. So the other day, I was in the IKEA. At, uh, at Jurong and they were selling the rainbow colored um, bag and I was quite amused lah. so yeah quite quite nice to see some of it um, leaking into into the heartland malls um, but to be honest I think in Singapore it's quite tapered down lah. you don't really see much unless you're really in the know so hmm, yeah lor. so this is I guess is what pride looks like for, for mm. me for Singapore I guess um, I guess what would be useful um, is also to set some context and history uh, on what Pride is from a global context before we zoom in into what we plan to discuss in more detail, which is the pink dot. And astrologically speaking, uh, what, is this, what is its significance and what lessons can we draw from that? And to do that, we need to bring up the Stonewall riots. So the Stonewall Inn was a gay club an illegal underground gay club in New York City uh, that was you know a very popular gathering spot for for LGBTQ uh, well they weren't known as LGBTQ back then they were called gays and lesbians um, for them to congregate so it was an illegal illegal outlet it was owned by the mafia and there was a lot of um, uh, police informants money being paid to you know give them a heads up and a warning and stuff like that however on the day where the stonewall riots actually happened uh, somehow the tip-off didn't happen uh, people were not aware that there was going to be a raid interestingly police logistics were also in a mess and um, usually what would happen is when they raid a nightclub or whatever they'll quickly bundle the people into the police cars bring them back to the police station however this wasn't uh, happening uh, a lot of people were made to wait outside in the on the, on the roads and there was a crowd of curious onlookers like what was going on uh, the the numbers in the crowd started to grow and grow people were getting increasingly frustrated against the police force uh, and ultimately, at one point, close to midnight, someone landed the first, uh, not blow, but there was a lot of resistance and um, people started scruff, uh, scruffling and getting into physical uh, fights and resistance against the police. 
and that culminated in public anger. It went on for many hours throughout the night. And all in, these riots lasted six days. Um, and interestingly and miraculously, no one was killed. So that's a very condensed version. But the following year, 1970, so this happened in 1969. Uh, the following year in 1970, uh, on the anniversary of that riot, people around the world started to host um, what they now call the Pride Parades. So it's like uh, being proud of who you are, um, your 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 gender identities, um, you know, being different, and and this was significantly different from the gay and lesbian movements from years prior, where it was you know suppressed news of their existence and their protests were suppressed. Um, there was violence against them, but there wasn't any retaliation from the community. But now people are standing firm and pushing back, and. It's been you know, over 30, 40 years since then, and um, we're still going strong. Yeah, so thank you, Cliff, for um, sharing this uh, piece of uh, research. Um, so for all of you who don't know, um, so that this, this is what we call the Stonewall Riots. And it's the, yeah, so it's really, really a very big thing. Um, yeah, all pride movements stems from, from this, essentially. The thing about astrologers is that uh, a lot of them are you know, in the western part of the world. So when they talk about um, LGBTQ movements, LGBTQ histories, they like to talk about Stonewall riots, right? But then of course, you know, it doesn't really take into the context of like where Singapore is because, I mean... If I can just jump in there, uh, what we are trying to do, Gabriel and I, is uh, when we talk about gay astrology or, or you know, uh, LGBTQ astrology, we tend to, yes, start with Stonewall riots. But one thing that we've noticed is that a lot of these discussions, yes, Stonewall riots has been done to death. Uh, the, the birth chart or the astrological chart of that event has been analyzed over and over again. But, but there hasn't been a lot of discussion uh, in the Asian context and, and what's happening out here in Asia. And even within Asia, there's a lot of nuance. Like yeah, Singapore so is one, yeah, yeah, yeah. Each country in Asia has its own baggage, has its own, you know, cause and all that. So yeah. when we talk about, and we are going to go talk about uh, the Pink Dot um, event here in Singapore. So that's specifically for our experience here. Mm-hmm. Uh, if any one of you has any experiences, context, or you know, insight and opinions into where you are uh, and how this relates astrologically. Um, feel free to chime in as well. Yeah, so I think I think you know when you talk about this, right? What really maddens me is that we like to Singapore and like say, oh, you know, we are upholding Asian values, Asian values. Uh, so you know, we cannot have LGBTQ individual. We cannot we cannot give rights to them. They can, I mean, they didn't really say give rights, lah. But oh, we cannot repeal the law because you no know, Asian values and all that. Then I'm just like, come on, lah, don't bullshit me. You know, like India repeal already. India not Asia, huh? Uh, Taiwan same-sex marriage is okay already, you know? Taiwan not Asia, is it? Huh? And Japan is okay also? Thailand is also different context? What's all this? So, yeah. I mean, okay, so, like, this one opens a can of worms that makes me feel very bitter and a bit like, uh, okay, but, yeah. So, that, that's my stuff. <laughs> so, I will not belabor all of you with my stuff, but today we're just going to talk about LGBTQ history and, and the pink dots, uh, you know, astrologically speaking, you know, what, what we can say about these things. And you know, 
before we go there, we do need to have a little sense of the LGBTQ history of Singapore. So I'll share what I know. Um, but essentially, um, if you go and Google LGBTQ history in Singapore, well, you see a lot of interesting things lah, like 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 coolies, uh, I think Chinese coolies, right? If they when they like each other, right, the the parents of one side will adopt like the other one as a godson. Oh, so that, yeah. So that in they Singapore, are, like, yeah. So they are siblings, but this was during the colonial um, era, like when we were still in the nation building kind of phase. So I mean, it was quite hush hush, but there were there were ways around it, which is very interesting. Like a lot of like a lot of interesting stories, like. But I think the the most important bit is to you know is to recognize that there's actually a lot of gay history in Singapore that's been um, erased. Um, so for example, um, you know, everyone knows Bugis, Bugis Street, right? Bugis. Right. And do you know, back in the days post-war, uh, Bugis is like the, um, is the hotbed for, um, uh, for a lot of transgender people. I mean, of course, there's a lot of like transgender prostitutions as well. Uh, but it was a very safe space for um, uh, trans people, a person who identified themselves as, tra- as a trans person, um, and, it was you know, kind of like uh, unspoken agreement, and people left them in peace. Was that yeah? Is that right? Yeah, I mean, from what I read, if I didn't remember wrongly, yeah, they kind of like they were just left in peace. Uh, now that place is completely clean up. Like even when you go to Bugis Junction, you know they have this like, little stand. I don't know boards that talks about the history of Bugis, uh, Bugis Street, Bugis Junction. You will see none, zilch, nothing that, that that talks about the transgender history there. So it has to be people like like me, and maybe some other um, folks who are activists. I'm not really an activist, but there are people who are mm. activists who constantly have to tell these stories to sort of mm. keep you know keep these like memories in some way alive, so that people remember that hey, you know this space used to be a trans space. Mm. Uh, it used to be a space that 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 um, a lot of people. Uh, feel safe, you know, and of course, um, I mean, a lot of us would know that um, the default gay space was in uh, is in Tanjung Paga. Okay, so lots of gay pubs there, or rather, it used to be the default gay space. Uh, then after COVID, it's like everything died lah. So mm. I think now it's slowly coming back. Um, and I think now, um, in this day and age, a lot of people, uh, they no longer like. Gathering like gathering of gay people is no longer in specific spaces already. Um, you know they do it on apps. You know if you want to hook up, yeah, just find someone, meet, hook up, and you know you go back to your own thing. So yeah, so that that dynamic has shifted. But yeah, I think the most important piece of LGBTQ history is that in the nineties, um, gay people used to get harassed all the time. Like the police would actually go to clubs. Right. Um, and they will harass them, you know. And sometimes the clubs have to have to mandate like no, no man to man dancing. Eighties uh, was a period when Singapore suddenly had a sense of like oh being a little bit more liberalized. And then nineties was a period when hey, it seems like the the gay community in Singapore, the LGBTQ um, um, situation in Singapore just got a little bit more closed up. Because what happened is that um, we all know that in the 80s, uh, there was the um, AIDS pandemic, AIDS epidemic, uh, and then we had our first cases um, in the late 80s, and then uh, all the way yeah. to 90s. So suddenly, this whole gay thing becomes very sensitive, very like very scary. 
right? Yeah, like, even yeah. more taboo. Yeah, even more taboo. And there are people who, of course, like you say that, oh, you know, AIDS is a, it's a, it's a disease that is given by God to kill all gay people, right? That sort of thing, right? So what happened was that, okay, under that conservative environment, what happened was that um, in the 90s, policemen actually um, will find the like, good-looking, hot policemen, right? To go and entrap like, gay people. Right, so this is in the uh, Fort Road, Fort Road, yes, Fort Road area. So you know, um, gay people, you know, we still we have needs, yeah, the yeah, sexual needs, right? And we can't exactly, you know, say go to a guy and say, hey, you hot leg, like, can we date or not? It doesn't work that way, right? Not back mm-hmm. in the days. Now maybe <laughs> can, uh, huh? I think now, not in Singapore, Singapore's still a bit strange, but um, back then, really no spaces for for these sort of things to happen and everything to happen in secret. So. Um, over time a code has been developed so like gay people will sort of like um, what we call cruise um, at, around uh, Fort Road um, area um, I don't know whether it's like a garden or there's this specific place that I, I don't really know the, the specifics but um, one of the symbols that they will use is they will hold an empty bottle right I, you hold an empty bottle means that you're gay and you're ready to uh, you're interested like you're looking you're interested and looking right and what happened is that the policeman will actually also do the same thing and then the moment when uh, someone show interest in them or they sort of physically have contact with the policeman right they will flash out their police pass police police pass <laughs> you know and i think last yeah. time in the 90s there's this joke was a cid <laughs> and, and then that's when they will catch them right catch never mind catch already they'll publish their names their full names in the newspaper okay and then they came them. Oh, right. So this okay. is what happened in the early nineties. So what well, it was, it has a lot of it, it created a lot of outrage and a lot of anger. But also, you know, that time the mainstream media all you know cite the cite the you know there's this like anti-gay panic that 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 um, the mainstream media also sensationalized. If you look at the Seeming Rebel and the mm, I think mm. even a new paper back then. Right. Wow, the kind of headlines that they run of like gay perverts cruising a toilet, that kind of thing. It's like, mm. wow, it's like, it's, it's just, yeah, it's just very, very demonizing. Lah, right? So right. Singapore in some way, I think we have come a long way, you know, at least now with the Pink Dot, we still haven't repealed 377A, so... And I think also just referring back to our previous episode, uh, Gen Z has really taken the torch and made it even more acceptable, more matter of fact that yeah. you know, we are accepting uh, there's nothing to discriminate about so yeah like what you said before uh, that you know Gen Z will be the ones that save the world so fingers crossed and I think the signs still point to that so um, yeah um, we had a NG <laughs> moment <laughs> we had a um, NG moment and now we're trying to recreate the, the general yeah reaction so uh, yeah. please pardon us yeah okay so for context we, we we paused the recording to discuss what the next segment was going to be and then uh we realized that the things that we were saying offline was valuable to add into the yeah. so into we're gonna try session. to recreate it now okay hey cliff did you know that Tanjung Paga is a gay space? <laughs> yeah, and I, I actually didn't realize that. Uh, like, I knew I knew that uh, there was one specific club, Happy, and then it became uh, Play after that. And, and, and it was only after you shared it 
uh, that Tanjong Pagar was a gay space that I was like, oh shit, I, uh, only when you said it that I realised it. Right, mm. I realised how Uranus I am. I, I take it for granted that, you know, everyone, I thought everyone knows that it's a open secret that uh, Tanjong Pagar is a very famous gay space. We call it the Garrier. Like, oh wow. shit, really? Yeah. <laughs> I, mean, I, I, I call it the Garrier. <laughs> Uh, maybe, mm. maybe people don't use it now la, but I call it the Garia like um, mm. yeah last time we'll go to Maxwell is it Maxwell yeah Maxwell Market yeah Maxwell Foods eh? yeah yeah we go there oh my god I went there for I went there for like supper and then the the cleaning uncle was like yo yo <laughs> try to yo, try to pick us up <laughs> <laughs> and and what's what's really really interesting is that I'm straight <laughs> and this is yeah. just like wow this is a whole new world so I think my point is like it, it may seem obvious, I guess, to you, but yeah. uh, for me, I needed to be initiated into into knowing what was where, and and like for example, taboos catered to a specific crowd, tantric catered to a specific crowd. I, I didn't even realize. Yeah, I mean, okay. Well, okay, it's a bit different, but it's different but similar. Yeah, I mean, there are a lot of yeah. So yes, um, I will <laughs> be the on the ground reporter and say that. Yes, Daniel Padaga is the Garia, okay? It's a hotbed for LGBTQ individuals, or at least it used to be. Now I'm not very sure because uh, ever since I, I'm attached, I don't really hang out in those spaces. But the history is that, you know, Ansiang An Hill, uh, which is near Daniel Padaga, Chinatown area, it used to be a cruising spot as well. Oh. That's why, um, you, know the, you know the part where Pierce Cafe is? Yeah, yeah. You know, that part last time used to be very dark. So gay oh. people go there and cruise all the time. And then now, mm. they install all the lights so that nobody can hide. <laughs> so, yeah. So so that's why, you know, um, it's very... Um, that's why, you know, the, the gay spaces start to develop, you know, from there. Yeah. I mean, I think the, the, the biggest irony was that um, I think Happy and Play is like right next to the Methodist Church. Like, so <laughs> yes. That was the biggest irony. I mean, now, of course, they're gone, you know, because um, I think rental is too, too hard. Um, so that that spot is no longer uh, it, it's 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 been held held as a gay establishment for a long time, but um, I think since I think was it 2016, 2015, you know since then it's it's like a straight club. So yeah, okay, so yeah, we just wanna just insert this uh, yeah. part. Yeah. FYI, <laughs> FYI, yes. So now we'll move on to. So now that we have established, you know, like a, a little bit of what Stonewall Riot is about, you know, the, the genesis of the Pride movement, yeah. and then we talk a little bit more about uh, the LGBTQ history of Singapore and a little bit of the LGBTQ context. Now we're going to talk about the flagship event, which is Pink Dot. So Pink Dot is an annual event that happens mm. around, I think, in, in June. Uh, it's usually on a Saturday. Um, and uh, pre-COVID, and, and even this year, um, it's uh, it's a live event that happens at Hongling Park. It went through a few uh, uh, changes, like you know, like it was a very small event, and it became bigger and bigger and bigger until it overflows. And then um, they managed to get like a high-profile um, international conglomerate to sort of sponsor. And then the government say, "Oh, sorry, you all cannot sponsor this. Uh, it is against the law." So now, um, Pink Dot is um, only funded by local film films. Oh, I remember these regulations. Oh, yeah. So yeah. yeah, so annoying. And then that was also the year when 
they start to build barricade. I, I, that was the year I think when the conservative faction of Singapore really had like a very big pushback. You know, they, they had the whole wear white movement and all that. They make a lot of noise, and the government sort of like I, I guess the government queued into the pressure lah. Or yeah, like you know, like big companies like Facebook and all that. They use a sponsor, and then and now、um, you need to have your IC to get in. Yeah, yeah. You know, last time foreigners are allowed to. I mean, they are. Yeah, by right they're not supposed to. Join the demonstration because it's considered a public demonstration and it's considered like local politics. So by right, they're not supposed to join. But what happened is that、um, back then, because there was no barricade, right? People just blend in, lor. Like as long as you look Chinese, you look like you're Singaporean, people would check. So Pink Dot has、um, evolved into into that kind of event where it's getting bigger and bigger.、Um, And、um, of course, in the last two years, it has moved online.、Uh, but this year, it's back in full force on June 18. So,、uh, hopefully, that's the day where we are pushing this episode out. So, last well, 2020, I actually sometimes to look at Pink Dot's chart, right? So, I mean, we talk about you know the very first episode we talk about how Singapore has a chart, right? So, Pink Dot has a chart as well, and basically. Is the genesis, you know, the very first time Pink Dot happened. So I actually wrote an article about it, and today we are not going to explicitly present the article, but we're going to just talk about some snippets of、uh, what we see in the Pink Dot chart. I shared the chart with Cliff, so Cliff has done his homework already. So have I.、Uh, so we're just going to share like、uh, one key thing that we we see, lah. Okay. So yeah. So looking at the Pink Dot chart from Gabriel's、um, article on his website,、um, we see that one of the most prominent and obvious features of the chart is that there is a whole cluster of、um, planets in the sign of Aquarius. So that's something that we really need to like zoom in on. It's it's like this flashing bulb that 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 is demanding to be interpreted, and so. In order to do that, instead of talking about each individual planet, let's talk about Aquarius, and, and you know, what we mean and what we understand from it. So, what's Aquarius about?、Um, Aquarius is,、um, yeah. So, Aquarius is a sign of community. It's a sign of、um, brotherhood. It's a sign of、um, mm-hmm. being included.、Um, I always see Aquarius as this、um, sign that is both.、Um, Excitingly, sort of utopic, but also conflicting at the same time. There's a part of them that really wants to be included, but at the same time, they also want to be different. Yeah.、Um, usually, you know, when when you see so many Aquarius planets in the chart, right?、Um, in a person, you would see that this person is quite scientific, quite、uh, have a lot of crazy ideas.、Mm. It's quite progressive, you know. Usually, in the way they think.、Um, But also, you know, for me, like over the years, I also recognize that、um, there there are conservative Aquarius as well who are、mm. less、um, liberal, liberal less leaning, and more, you know, like、um, I want to protect the group that I have. So yeah.、Um, yeah, so at the end of the day, Aquarius is 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 this strange sign lah that that wants to be included, but at the same time. Wants to stay, don't want to be the same. They want to be included, but they don't want to be the same. Essentially, yeah, yeah. I I want to yeah be part of the group, but I don't want to lose my identity. Um, actually, I don't think it's identity. I think it's I I want to be part of the group, but I don't want to lose my individuality. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, which yeah, I think is a fair, little bit fair, different. Fair. Right. 
Yeah, I, I, I think the identity bit, bit would be more relevant if the sun was in that that cluster, but it isn't. So yeah, I, I, I would have to agree with you on that. Mm-hmm. Uh, but then it is in the fifth house. But that's another. That's another. Uh, yeah. So uh, since you are since you are on the too too, topic, too, right? too technical too technical. Let's 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 move away from that. <laughs> Sorry, I, I cut your uh, train of thoughts. Uh, so hey. I'll let you continue. No, no, no worries. Uh, I was talking about uh, the sign of Aquarius and, and my uh, addition of keywords to, to what you, you put forward earlier was um, Aquarius is also about boundary pushing, sometimes boundary shattering also, but still it, it has a lot to do with, with boundaries and, and Pink Dot as an event, when it first started, like you mentioned, it, it was a very small gathering. People were like, am I going to get arrested or is it safe? Yeah. Uh, but now it is overflowing to the point where it has to be controlled and regulated. So it pushed the boundary and it created a very uh, public, loud event and voice that cannot be ignored to the point where, like I always say, the universe will produce an equal and opposite reaction. Uh, you have a whole bunch of people dressed in white coming to <laughs> protest the protest, <laughs> which yeah. is very Aquarian. It's very interesting as well. Uh, yeah, so so that's 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 how I see Aquarius. And, and I think and, one of the uh, things, yeah. uh, one of the questions we want to explore is, what lessons can we take from yes. know, this dot chart? You know, you know, like what what we what we explore about Pink Dot's chart, astrologically speaking, in mm. our lives. Mm. Right, so, what's your take on that? Uh, well, I think one thing that I really appreciated about Pink Dot, even though I'm I'm an ally, uh, is is the sense of camaraderie and the togetherness and the sense of having a tribe to call your own. Um, as with everything, there is a lot of nuance and exceptions to the rule, but being the first event in two thousand nine for people to gather and rally around. Uh, I think it was important. Yes, now there is a lot more, you know, fragmentation. There's a lot of subgroups that you would identify with. Mm. But at the very start of it all, um, having that tribe uh, is important. And, and astrologically speaking, how do we find that tribe? That's that's my main takeaway from from this. Mm, mm, mm. Yeah. So how do we find that tribes? Yeah. I, I wanna uh, just choke a little bit and just. Um, mm. Just clarify a little bit for you. Uh, actually, Pink Dot is not the first Pride event, so to speak. Like the first event where gay people gather. I just want to be mm. very clean about it because oh, yeah. it both sure. was. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, it's not the first event, but it's definitely the most pronounced. And that's why, you know, year after mm. year, we are still um, talking about it. We are still doing it, you know. Mm. Uh, and in fact, the Pink, De- Pink Dot model is so successful that it has imported it's been imported into other countries. So Hong mm. Kong now is like the Ping Dot. Um, I think there's another Asian country that has Ping Dot as well. I cannot remember which one. Oh, wow. Okay. Taiwan. Okay. So, yeah. Coming from someone who doesn't identify as LGBTQIA, um, the fact that what calls, what comes to mind when we talk about um, you know, Pride and all that is, is Ping Dot. Uh, I think it's a testament to how you know impactful and wide ranging the the event has has become. Mm-hmm. Uh, even though yes, um, I'm not accurate in what I said that in my understanding that this was in fact not the first event. Um, yeah, it, it is lasting like, at the very least. Yeah, I think one of the things we want to talk about is also like you know the lesson that we can learn from Ping Dot, which is that you know Ping mm. Dot is is a is a 
Yeah, yeah. So I mean, Pink Dot is a is a is a course. It's an event that is so a course, right? It has mm. this big. Um, in some way, it is something. There is something that it's fighting for. That it's standing yeah. for. Right. Yeah. It need not necessarily be political, but it's certainly social, right? One of the things we need to ask ourselves um, is, you know, what is the cause that we are fighting for? And of course, for some people, um, maybe they don't have a cause, or maybe they have a cause, but they don't really yeah. think about it as much. Yeah. Uh, but as speaking, actually, we can look at those things. And is what would we look at to see that? So we will now move into um, learn astrology. So we are going to talk about the eleven house. Well, I think um, linking back to what you just said just previously on how to find your cause and the community and the people that are part of your cause, we will look at the 11th house. There are many ways to look to do this, but I think one of the simplest ways is just to look at the sign uh, that sits on the the entrance of your 11th house. Yeah, what we call the 11th house cusp. Yeah, yes. right. So interestingly, for Pink Dot, Pink Dot has a, <laughs> has a Leo on the 11th house cusp, right? Mm. Right. And, yeah, you talk about how like, oh yeah, Leo, you know, Leo, you know, Leo is a very proud sign, so you know, pride, right? Mm. So yeah, if you want to take a look at, you know, the kind of cause that you will be interested to fight for, um, mm. that you want to sort of like uh stand, 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 mm. you know, stand up for, you know, look at your eleventh house. So for the purpose of this, we're gonna keep it simple. We we're not gonna look at things like house rulers and all that shenanigans yeah. or any yeah. plans in the eleventh house. Hey, by the way, do you have plans in the eleventh house? Do I have planets in the eleven house? Ah? Wow, I can't remember my own chart. Leh. <laughs> I definitely don't have. In fact, it is my missing link. So, um, uh, I don't have a planet in my eleventh. Oh, you don't. Okay, so we yeah. both don't, right? Um, yeah. Yeah. So we're just gonna read the. So we we are not gonna look at house rulers. We're gonna look at yeah. just like the sign on the cusp. And uh, the you sign. mentioned yes, that correct. yours is Gemini. Yes, Gemini. Mine is Libra. Mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. Okay, so. Maybe we'll start with you first. Okay. Right? Because mine is actually... So yep. in my chart, curiously, um, 11th house, even though it is empty, there's no planets there, it's actually significant because it, it, it helps me with some of my stuff, you know. So yours, Gemini. Um, mm. Gemini is 11th house. Uh. Yeah. Your course. Uh. I don't know. Is your course about... I mean, I, I, okay, I, I must disclaim first, uh, I personally yeah. hate reading house cast only, like, I, I personally hate <laughs> it, like, but okay, yeah. for the sake of this podcast, I will try to try, mm. um, but yeah, um, Gemini in the 11th house, I would say, it's something around communication, there's something around, um, yeah, communication and, and speaking and mm. learning and teaching, uh, maybe not so much of teaching, but more of the transmitting of information and knowledge. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I and you know as I'm talking about this right, it reminds me of like one of the raisin dactyl for for you when it comes to doing astrologically speaking. You know, because I think one of the things that you said is that uh, you recognize that when you learn astrology, mm. it's all like very deep, deep, difficult information and knowledge, yeah. and you want to make it like understandable, mm. Mm. right? 
So I'm wondering whether that's that's like a link. Yeah, actually, uh, I I I appreciate you pointing that link out because that was probably something I wouldn't have picked up on. But everything else, yes, I I would agree. Like, uh, so the cause is is, is um, the pursuit of knowledge. So Gemini is very much about synthesis. That's my favorite keyword <laughs> uh, for for Gemini. My career trajectory has taken me into uh, training and development. So taking of complex information and yeah, and and training, coaching, um, and also personal interests. If I am not doing it for a living, I would still like. Um, I would. I used to say that I'm the person that can spend hours on Wikipedia. <laughs> just 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 going through article after article like my wife would be like how you know these kind of things but you can't remember <laughs> that you're supposed to like you know pick this thing up from the shop <laughs> and another thing also the 11th house we talk about camaraderie and and fellowship um i also if i look at my friend circles uh, the people that i spend the most amount of time and energy on are also people who are endlessly curious um, so they're not necessarily about you know going out to find adventures in the mountains. It's all, it's more about uh, what's the correct answer to this or that, you know, that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Interesting, interesting. Mm. Uh, hmm. Interesting. Okay, so let's let's swap the table. Let's mm. swap the table. So <laughs> no hot seat. Libra, eleven house. Yes. Libra in 11th house, I think uh, surface level interpretation is that there is a concern around fairness, justice as well. Um, oh, yeah, and Yeah, justice. I didn't realize that when you say it, I was like, oh yeah, okay. It's true, I have that concern, yeah. Sorry, please continue. Oh no, it's like it's like a two of sorts from the, the tarot deck. Um, yeah, but, but um, of course, Libra is also associated with pleasant pleasantries, uh, good-looking people you i would say that you surround yourself with good-looking people <laughs> uh because it's libra um, <laughs> what else yeah what what really jumps out for me here is is the pursuit of justice and fairness i wouldn't go so far to say as in, in, in to talk about equality but fairness and yeah Interesting because like I never really, I mean, I mean, I, I'm my own astrologer, right? But I never really yeah. thought about that. So, thank you for pointing that out because I think, yeah, I think there is a, there is a very strong counter force in me that is like okay, you know, because Libra is also about the counterbalance, right? And, yes. Um. Yeah, and I think um, yeah. I think um, for me, this whole counterbalancing is important, even though I have no Libra planets, uh, but actually the I, I care a lot about fairness, like um, and that's why I'm into whole like a uh, mainstream versus non-mainstream, like uh, people who are marginalized kind of thing, because um, mm. people who are marginalized essentially it's not fair for them, right? Like how is that fair, right? You know, if you're marginalized just because of who you are, not because of anything you do or, or, or you know of your own effort then that's not very fair so yeah as a person I'm actually very into like um, this this sort of this this like liberal left leaning kind of like fairness kind of ideals you know I'm very mm. into racial politics like you know this whole Singapore whether got Chinese privilege or not but I'm very into mm. those hot topics when we first met in person you also mentioned that you were very into post-colonialism oh yeah 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 post-colonial yeah. so giving power back to balance the power yeah. with itself. Yeah. Yes, yes. Oh my, yeah, that's true. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm. 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. So as to when I surround myself with beautiful people, hmm, I'm not very sure lah, to be honest. Although I would say <laughs> I, 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 I would say that um, a lot of my uh, people in my community tends to be feminine or female. So that's interesting. Even mm. though Libra is not exactly a female, it's a, uh, it's a, uh, yeah, it's a. Uh, the old term would be masculine, but I think you could say it's more one of the more assertive signs. So, yeah. Eh, potato, potato, don't know. <laughs> but yeah, uh, and of course, uh, you know, in a typical um, astrological com- consultation, we would have to go deeper, lah. Like, we have to look at you know your house rulers, yada yada. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So, but so, I think uh, one one quick takeaway for people listening, if if you have access to your 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 natal chart, your birth chart, have a look at the the eleventh house. What mm-hmm. sign is on there? And then just go Google the sign definitions. If you if it's mm-hmm. Cancer, what are the keywords for Cancer? And and that will give you a hint to your cause and your community. Why is having a cause and community important to you, right, dear listeners? Mm. Why mm. is having a cause and community important to you? I mean, it's a it's an open question for all of you. But maybe, uh, Cliff, you have any question? You have any answer about that? <laughs> I think I think after uh, achieving a certain level of material security, mm. like uh, salary that pays the bills and all that kind of thing, we stop fighting or worrying about survival and we start thinking about the next level what's next um so going into a little bit of philosophical stuff here but the 11th house comes uh, after the house coming already house. <laughs> the 11th house comes after the 10th house the 10th house is very capricornian and very saturnian it's about my career it's about how i'm known to the world and yeah it's like uh, and and I think it's a, I think that this is well, this is so good because if you mm. realize a lot of like famous artists right or famous actors or mm. uh, pop artists right they always like you know they have a big career first and then they'll have a fun name after their names. Yeah. Right. Lots of them. Or, or, uh, uh, I think the classic embodiment for that is Picasso. Uh, when he yeah he Picasso <clears throat> Pablo Picasso when he was a classic artist his paintings were beautiful it's very capricornian very like lifelike and then he went to do cubism which i really cannot stand and that's just very abstract uh and that's also very aquarian uh in nature and that comes after um 10th house capricorn type of keywords Mm. so um and and yeah what i was going to say was you know the 10th house is about establishing structures uh long-term structures now um and then after you are going up Maslow's hierarchy of needs you, you tend to worry about the bigger picture lah. and that's very 11th house also which is about like actualization really self-actualization how do you actualize other people and then 12th house will be the transcendence lah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah Maslow's so triangle yeah. yeah yeah so yeah so you know so some of you who you know who cares you know who if you all your if your life is very much about how to actualize other people like social like people who runs like NGOs, people who runs mm. uh, social uh, enterprises and all that, right? Most likely, you have some eleven house lah. Right? Even governmental people, generally people who are in politics, generally they have quite a bit of eleven house. 
because um, they care about community enough to want to like be represent them and do something for them you know which is essentially what the 11 house things is about right so hmm. I mean I asked this question because for me in the last two years I'm going through an 11 house transit so I mean I'm not having a I mean I'm having a transit that sort of like a, a sort of affect my 11 house mm. um, yeah so definitely I find that my circle change the clients I work with change mm. um, the people around me change as well uh, yeah, so very interesting times. Um, yeah, in fact, I just uh, yesterday I just ran a ran a um, LGBTQ. Uh, mm, I saw. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, Events. Uh, basically, I run an astrological uh, workshop, right? So the free workshop in contribution to to the LGBTQIA community because it's I mean it's Pride Month and I'm like you know it's fun for me and also you know, I get to gain leads you know a following as well so why not. So, yeah, and yesterday, I, I had my event yesterday, like, it was quite, yeah, I found like, eh? like I, I, I didn't think that I will actually do something so significant, you know, with the LGBTQIA community. And then yesterday, I was like, oh, actually, I could see myself doing this for a while and just see what happens. So, oh, that's nice. That's, that's yeah. awesome. That's so So, good. Maybe, the, maybe my 11th house is being awakened uh, for this moment. So, maybe, <laughs> don't know whether it'll be permanent, I will see. <laughs> but mm. I, I suspect um, there'll be more changes to come uh, with my mm. 11th house and uh, etc. Yeah. Fingers crossed. Yeah. That brings us to the wrap of this episode. I hope that the recounting of our local LGBTQIA pride history was useful. It, it was definitely educational for me as well, uh, despite having grown up here and having uh, explored a little bit of the scene when I was younger. Um, and oh my god, I, oh, dish, dish, dish! <laughs> <laughs> no, it's 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 it's. It's part of the fun. Um, we'll, we'll leave that to another... another <laughs> yes. yes. But uh, I think the next thing also is is what was significant that we really wanted to anchor this uh, episode on was uh, Pink Dot. And the main takeaway from that, uh, from the birth chart of Pink Dot, was how we can create communities uh, by looking at, to, at our own charts. Lah. Um, I mean, oh, past two years of remote working, if you have had the option or privilege of, of doing that, has created some sort of like distance and disconnect between mm. people, between humans. So yeah. if like what Gabriel was saying, going through um, a bit of a change in your community and the, your circle of friends, um, how to, you know, get the mix right. Have a look at your 11th house and, and I hope that you'll be happier for that. Yeah, and um, with that, we will see you again. Uh, I'll be going to UK, so um, we will break for a while. Are we, are we going to break or...? Uh, I think we will record our portions individually and then we will, we will stitch them yeah, together. And then we will splice them together, yes. Yeah, so uh, we, we, you won't be able to hear us like banter. Yeah, so yeah, <laughs> in the UK for a while. Um, so um, I'll catch you guys when I come back. And Have a good trip, Gabriel. Yes, thank you. Uh, and with that, um, we are going to sign off. So my name is Gabriel. And I'm Cliff. And um, thank you for listening to Astrologically Speaking. And we hope to hear from you again. Cheers. Bye, everyone.
like what you're hearing in this podcast, do follow us on our Instagram handles at gabriel.cs and at cliffneocareerastro. You can also find out more about us on our individual websites at athirdicea.com and cliffneo.com.